Shalom Abraham talks about when we have conflicting reports whether the husband had died or not, whether the Torah of this woman who's making this claim is allowed to eat truma. Another Mishnah where someone is mekadesh or steals from a number of people and forgets who. And the final Mishnah of this parak discusses a case where a woman comes back from overseas and she claims that she had a son but her son had died. What do we do over there? So we begin with a case of two Tsaras, two co-wives who both come back from overseas. One of them says that the husband died and the other one says that he did not. The one who said that the husband died, she can remarry it and cash in on her ksuba. The one that says that the husband did not die, cannot remarry it and does not get the ksuba. If one of the wives says that the husband died and the other one says, well, he's also, you know, dead, but he was killed. Sir Mayor says, since the second wife is denying the first claim, neither of them are allowed to be remarried. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon say, since both of them agree that the husband is deceased, they are allowed to remarry. So, because in that regard, they are agreeing. Now, what happens if one aide says that the husband died, another aide comes in and says that the husband had not died? Or if a woman says that the husband died and another woman testifies that the husband had not died? We do not allow them, we do not allow his wife to remarry. Now, the Gemara explains... I recently said a case where the second wife claims that the husband had not died, but if she had been quiet, she would have been allowed to remarry. Aye, why would we trust the first wife on her tsara? We don't believe co-wives to testify on each other. The Gemara explains that the reason why we said that case, don't make that diok. We only said that case because we wanted to learn the case where the second wife says that the husband had not died. Because I might think... If really the husband had died, and the only reason why the second wife is coming in and saying, nope, the husband did not die, and therefore we're not allowed to get remarried, is just to ruin, to get at the first wife. I, she's also married to this guy, and she also won't be able to be remarried. The Gemara puts a, a pasuk that she's thinking from Shimshin, that Thomas Nafsha implished him, Nafshi implished him, that Shimshin committed suicide to kill the plishtim. So this co-wife also is, is inflicting self-harm just to be able to get at her co-wife. Such is the animosity. Now, in the next case of a mission, we said that if one wife says that the husband died, the other one says that the other one, that the husband had been killed. So Mary says, since she is arguing with the first testimony, neither of them are allowed to be remarried, but who then disagree and they, with her mayor, and they say, they both agree that the husband's dead, and that's enough. And the government asks, why don't they argue in the ratio as well? So Eliezer explains, first of all, Enechanami, who we're just talking about in Machlekes, so they're Yehuda and Reb Shimon. Bermir definitely does agree, disagree with the ratio as well, but Yechanan tells us a different answer. It could be a mayor would agree with the ratio, because he only says that we disregard these testimonies. When the second wife says that he had been killed as opposed to dying, but Remeir agrees that when she claims that the husband had not died, if that testimony comes from a woman, that's not considered a rebuttal on the first testimony. We would only believe her if she says that he had been killed. She's giving a separate testimony which contradicts the first, but not just opposing the first. Right? Instead of just saying, no, he didn't die, she makes a separate claim that he had been killed. We have a mission that tells us, if one aid claims that the husband had died and the second aide says that he had not, or separate women come in and claim opposing claims that the husband is dead or not, the wives are not allowed to be remarried. Now this makes sense according to Abelazar, the safe of our Mishnah makes sense according to Abelazar. Because we could assume that we're going like Reb Meir 
and yeah, Reb Meir would disagree with this as well. But according to Reb Yechanan, the Gemara blibes Shver. Now we have a new mission that says that if a woman goes overseas with her husband, and then she returns alone and says, my husband died, we believe her, she's allowed to remarry, be remarried, and she can walk away with her ksuba. However, her co-wife is still Aser. We only believe that she is an Almona regarding herself. Now regarding Truma, if she's a Basisrael and she was married to a Koyan, Rabbi Tarvin says that she would be allowed to eat Truma. This Tzara can still eat Truma. Rabbi Akiva disagrees and he says that's not how we prevent people from doing Averis. If she's married, she's fully married, she's not allowed to be remarried, and she's usher to eat Truma. Because we have to take into account, consider that maybe the husband is taka dead and she does not have her rights to eating Truma through him anymore. Now, if the first wife says that the husband died, and then she claims that her mother-in-law died after her husband had died, she's allowed to remarry and walk off with her Ksuba, but her mother-in-law... She claims that her father-in-law died, so now her mother-in-law is also usher, based on her claim. We're not going to believe the daughter-in-law on the mother-in-law, because there's an ingrained animosity. However, just because she's usher to remarry, Baby Tarfin says that she's still allowed to eat shuruma. Baby Akiva says she's not entirely married in that regard because we have to at least consider the daughter-in-law's support and therefore to prevent her from eating truma. When she's not married to Akayan, we disallow her to eat truma and we disallow her to remarry as well. Now the Gemara tells us that we need both cases in our Mishnah because if I had only said the Reisha, over there Rabbi Tavon tells us the Halacha of the Tzara. We're not going to believe the co-wife because she's already feeling a physical pain because the co-wife takes away the husband from her. But when it comes to the mother-in-law in the Seifa, where it's just verbal abuse, maybe he would agree to Rabbi Akiva that she's not allowed to eat truma. And if we had only said the Seifa with the mother-in-law, maybe over there Rabbi Akiva only said that she's usher to eat truma, but she would agree in the Reisha to Rabbi Tarfan. So if Yehuda Mashmol says that the halacha is in fact like Rabbi Tarfan, she would be permitted to eat truma after her daughter-in-law or co-wife's claims. And Abayah says, in fact, we have this in a Mishnah that tells us that if the woman comes back from overseas without her husband, and she claims that, by the way, while we were there, we had a son. But that son has died, along with my husband. Now, if she claims that the husband, that the, the, the son died before the husband, in which case she's chayv and yibum, we believe her, because that was her chazaka going out. But if she claims that her husband died before her son, in which case she's positive from yibum, we do not believe her, because we assume her original chazaka. However, we do take her claim with a grain of salt, and we do not let her do a full yibum. We require her to do a chalitza. We see from here that we are worried about what she was saying, gabe her. But regarding her co-wife, when I said, all, shmamina, we pass on like a bitarfan. Now we have another mission that tells us if an individual is mekadesh, five separate women, but he doesn't know which one he was mekadesh. Everyone says, oh, every one of these five women say, oh, you're Mekadosh me. So he has to give each one of them a get. And he puts the amount of the Ksuba cash down on the table and they figure it out between themselves. Rabbi Akiva disagrees. He says, that's not how you prevent people from doing Averis. Everyone needs to get and he has to give a Ksuba to each potential Arusa. 
in a separate case, Mishnah says that if someone stole from five people and he doesn't know from whom he stole, every single one claims that they were the one that was stolen from. He puts down whatever he stole and let them figure it out. They divide it. That's she does Rabbi Tarfan. Rabbi Kiva disagrees here as well and says that that's not how you prevent people from Donga Veris. He has to pay back every single potential victim. Now the Gemara tells us, that our mission specifically picked a case where this guy was Makande's five women, not that he was boil them. Because over there, we would, even Lishitashabitarfan, give him a knas and make him pay the ksuba to every single one of the people that he was boil. So to by Gazela, we say that he stole, and that's why he has to pay them all back. But if he had bought from five people he, does, he doesn't know from who, there we wouldn't give him a knas. Over there, he didn't do an iser. Now, Mishnah is not going like Tanakama or Reb Shimon ben Elazar from this Brysa. And Brysa, Reb Shimon ben Elazar tells us that Rabitarfan and Rabbi Akiva only argue when he's Makandesh, five women, one of five women, and he doesn't know who. So over there, he leaves the ksuba on the table and lets them figure that out. They're arguing where he was boyel five, uh, one of five women. However, Rabbi Tarfan, over there, Rabbi Tarfan holds. He can leave the ksuba and let them figure it out. And Rabbi Kiva says he has to pay every single one. And Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Kiva aren't arguing where he buys from one of five people and he doesn't know who because over there. He could definitely just leave the money and walk out. The Machlech says when he stole from five, one of five people where Rabbi Tarfan says he could just leave whatever he stole and leave and Rabbi Akiva says he has to pay them all back. Now, since Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar in this Brisa clarifies we're talking about where he was Mekandesh them, that they would agree when he was Mekandesh them. They're only arguing when he was Boyal them. It should have said that he was Boyal one of the five women and he stole from one of the five. And if we're going like Tanakama, our mission should have said a case where he was Mekandesh one of five women and he bought from one of five people. So who, who is our mission going like? And then Gemara comes out that we're actually going in Shittas of Shimon ben Elazar. So why do we use the lotion of Kidesh? Why not use the lotion of Boyal? Because he was Mekandesh this woman, one of these five women, we Bia. The reason why we specifically chose Lashon of Akidesh, which is a little misleading and didn't say Boyal, to teach us the Koyach of Rabbi Akiva, because even though he only did an Isidere Abonon, we would still knas him the Shittas Rabbi Akiva. And the reason why we chose Lashon of Gezel is to teach us the Koyach of Rabbi Tarfan, that even though he did an Isidere of stealing, we're still not kindness him, and he could just return the gzela. We don't make him pay back to every single potential victim. Now, we have a new mission that tells us if a woman goes overseas with her husband, and they brought along their son, and then she comes back alone and says, here's what happened. My husband died, and then my son died. We believe her on this, because since she, when she went out, she, was, she would have been potter from Yibam since she had a son, we'll trust her to potter her from Yibam now. But if she comes and she claims that her son died first, in which case she's chayv in Yibam, so we have to, we, although we don't trust her, we have to take her words with a grain of salt, and we do not allow her to do Yibam, but we require her to do Halitza. Now, if she went overseas with just her husband, and she comes back alone and says, while we were overseas, we had a son, and she says that that son died, and then her husband died. We trust her there, because when she went overseas, she was Chayev in Yibum, and what she's claiming is going to be Mechayev in Yibum. We'll stick with the Chazaka, but if she claims that her husband had died first and then her son, in which case, she's potter from Yibum, we don't trust her, and we make her do Chalitza, not Yibum. If she claims that her Yavam was born overseas, which means that her mother-in-law gave birth to a brother-in-law, so she left without a Chayev Yibam, without a brother-in-law to do Yibam to, but she claims that overseas, her husband died and then her Yavam died. 
But the truth is, the Mishnah says that even if he, she claims the opposite, that the oven died and then the husband died, we're still going to believe her that she's positive from Ibam. Because when she left, she had been positive from Ibam. If she goes overseas with her husband, and she says that her husband died and then her Yavim died, or if she says that her Yavim died and then her husband died, we believe her. Uh, we would not believe her, rather, because we don't believe a woman to say that her brother-in-law had died. So that she can remarry, or to say that his sister died, so she can marry her brother. And we also don't trust a man to say that his brother died to do Yibam to his wife, or that his wife died to be able to marry her sister. Now in the Gemara, Rabbi asks of Nachman, if someone gives a future get to his wife, when he has a brother. So he's trying to potter her from doing Yibam. And he says, you know, if I die, this is a get retroactively, so you were never married to me, you are not have an Yibam. Is this a get is chus for her? In which case, you can be mezake, something for somebody else, even without them knowing about it. Or is it considered a chiv for her, something bad for her, which you would not be able to be mezake, the shliach would not be able to accept it on her behalf if it's bad for her to accept the sketch. So the Gemara brings in a mission that says, Rabbi Nachman responded to Rava, that even when we don't believe the woman's claims to get her off the hook from Yibum, we still make a do chalitza instead of Yibum, misafik. So Ravina tells Rava, if someone gives a shliach a get for his wife, while they are fighting... How about here? Do you think that this is still considered a schus for her or not? Maybe since they're fighting, it's a schus for her to get out of this marriage. Or maybe she'd prefer to be married. So the Gemara tells us from Reish Lakish, a famous mimer having Kedushin and Ksubus and Babakama, Tav Lemesav Tandu, it's better to have two bodies together, Lemesav Armalu, than to be alone. A woman always prefers to be married. And Abayah says, even if someone's, uh, if a woman's husband is short like a an ant, she'll still pull up her chair to the Chashev spot, she's proud to be married. And her papa says, even if her husband is a wool comer, a low-grade uh, job, she's still going to call him to the doorstep to schmooze with him there because she's proud that she's married. And Arashi says, even if her husband has bad yichus, she wouldn't even ask him to go buy lentils for the pot. She wouldn't ask him to do anything because she's so happy to be married to him. But the Bryce says that all of these women... They're only hanging on to their husbands so that they can go be mezana, and no one will suspect them because they have their husbands. Which talks about a woman going overseas with her husband, which we began talking about in the first Mishnah. And if there was shalom between them and in the world, then we're going to trust her to remarry, to do yibum. But if there's a war in the world or with her marriage, then we're not going to believe her. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.